Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. So Ryan, we're sitting down with you to ask you 10 questions that people pulled and said, hey, if I were to talk to somebody in long-term recovery, here's the things I'd want to know. And that first question is, why did you start to use, what, what's the reason that you started using to begin with? Yeah, I, um, you know, for me, my, 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 my drug of choice was, was opioids. And it actually happened after a hiking accident in 2003. Um, I, I, left the white house, um, and, and started a new job with a, with a political committee and went hiking with my, my roommate and best friend at the time, uh, fell, injured my ankle, injured my knee, ended up in the care of an urgent care physician. And, uh, this was in 2003 and they prescribed me, um, a high grade opioid, uh, hydromorphone, basically a, a form of morphine. Um, and I was supposed to get that, you know, knee and ankle checked out. I never did, but what I did go back and get instead of an MRI was another prescription and another prescription. And really, um, the nexus of my story is if you know anything about the opioid crisis in this country, you'll know that before we had an opioid crisis, we had a pill crisis, um, a pill mill crisis. Um, and I ended up moving back to Florida, which is where I was from, uh, after that injury. And I got caught up in the pill mills and unscrupulous doctors really, really bad. Um, and that's what kind of led me down this downward spiral, um, that, uh, ultimately after multiple overdoses left me homeless and broke and helpless and searching for help on the streets of Los Angeles in, in 2014. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. I guess that's part of your story. I hadn't really heard was yeah. going to the overdoses and everything else. I'm glad you're still here. Yeah. So what was it that made you decide to stop? This is a simple answer. Actually, there was, um, no white light moment for me. Um, honestly, it was, uh, you know, I don't the, subscribing to the whole idea around hitting rock bottom and whatnot is, is difficult for me because, um, all I wanted was a meal and a roof over my head right. that night. And, um, I was willing to do whatever I, I needed to, to get that, but I, I didn't want to stop using, I, I just was looking to get some shelter for a week or two and kind of recharge my batteries and then go back out and right. figure out how I could keep using. Um, and just that desire to, to get a meal and, and, and a, and a roof over my head, um, you know, got me into a place that, that ultimately led to where I'm at today. So I would say that for any, anybody out there that thinks that family members or your friends or whatnot have got to hit rock bottom. They've got to have all this willingness to be able to succeed. Um, that wasn't my case. I had very little willingness, um, in the beginning. Um, it was just the, the need to, to be connected to something, have a safe place to sleep for the night, uh, right. and get a bite to eat. Yeah. I was, I'm not, a, I wasn't rock bottom either. Yeah. I, I hit tons of bottoms, yeah. <laughs> but when I recovered, I was probably more on a peak. Mm-hmm. So, 
I hate that, and I also hate the tough, the whole tough love thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so you talked a little bit about you know stepping into recovery last time we talked. So what does recovery mean to you? Recovery um, means that I'm able to to all in all be a good person. You know, it means that I'm able to think about others before I think about myself. Um, but it's also uh, that I'm able to be honest. I'm able to build and sustain healthy relationships today. Um, I'm able to be independent um, and I'm not isolated anymore. Right. You know, and I think from 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 those few key principles for me, um, everything else flourishes. These were things that I didn't really understand early in recovery. I thought right. recovery was all about just being, quote unquote, clean or sober, clean and sober. Um, and that was what was the most important thing was that is an important thing, right? right? Because like if I was using, I wouldn't be able to do those other things. But if that's all I am is abstinent and not using, I could still run my life into the ground. Right. Yeah. Know? It's a pretty low bar just being yeah. abstinent, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, um, recovery is about passion. It's about purpose. It's about love. It's about family, community, um, you know, it's about it, it, it and, and for me, it's it's just brought me to places that I never thought were even. I, I am I am amazed on the daily at where I'm at, you know, and where I see others where they're at uh, just by doing a few simple things in their life. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. People talk about uh, recoveries about getting your life back. I didn't get my life back. I didn't want my life back. Yeah. I've built a life I never could have imagined. Yeah, I think, too, that I think that like for, for a lot of us who are in recovery, like at the core, it's like an onion. Like, I think that we always were. Right. I think every single person in recovery has some sort of, you know, creativity and purpose and passion. And, and there there is that thing in them uh, that always was. Um, it just took layers and layers and layers of peeling back to get to that original state. Right. Cause I, I don't think that we were bad people and now we're good people. I think that we just weren't, you know, we, 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 we weren't, we weren't fed. Right. Does that make sense? Like we weren't, you know, we weren't, we had to be, I, I believe that where we are in recovery is what our, our, our natural state is right. and supposed to be. Yeah, I think a lot of us developed walls yeah. because uh, the people that were supposed to care about us right. maybe weren't there, whether it was abuse or right. it was neglect. You right. know, those people. So I think a lot of times we built up walls. So we even added more layers yep. you know, to what was right. already there. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy really, yep. with the onion. I like that. So what were the things that got you into recovery to begin with? Um, housing. I, I, I attribute 100% of my recovery journey to, um, uh, recovery housing. Um, the day I stepped out of treatment, um, I had no place to go. Uh, recovery house took me in with no money, uh, helped me find a job, helped me get back on my feet, plugged me in with a peer network of other men, uh, in recovery who, who, who I became very good friends with, um, you know, and worked with, and they're like my family, right. um, without that house, without, those peers without those supports, um, that first year and a half, no way I would have made it. So that's why, that's why recovery housing, uh, in particular has become like a big touch point of my work and advocacy, because I think that it has been just really brushed aside a lot, but, but what, what got me into my kind of definition of recovery right. and sustain it, uh, was recovery housing. So are you a fan of like, I'm a big fan of NAR. 
I'm a big yeah, fan of no, at least having NAR. some I work with standards. NAR a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. I've done a lot. So NAR, um, when I lost my first sponsee to an overdose two, two and a half years ago, um, I went to my member of Congress's office and literally staged a sit-in and got the uh, Access to Quality Sober Living Act written with her, which was H.R. 4684, which became part of the Support Act that the president signed into law last year, which basically published the NAR standards from SAMHSA. SAMHSA would publish them and provide uh, $2 million in technical assistance funding to, to the states to get these standards put into place, right. right? So I'm a big fan of the NAR standards, big fan of, of, of standardizing those uh, particular to each state's needs. Right. Um, there is a good way to do recovery housing and there is a bad way to do recovery housing. Sadly, I think they're, they're, you know, I think we're getting to more of a balance now where, but it should be all good recovery housing. <laughs> right. People shouldn't have to question whether or not they're walking into a good or bad house because by pure luck, I got into a good house. Um, my friend, you know, Tyler wasn't as lucky as me and he died as a result of being a bad, in a, right. in a bad house. I know you were big on getting Narcan into yep. the recovery residences in California too. Yep. Yep. So in early recovery, what, what was it that helped you maintain your sobriety the most? Like, is there a couple things you could look at and be like meetings and music? <laughs> okay. That was it. Meeting meetings constantly every single day. Uh, sticking with my peers, um, you know, just, just, just always not being alone, right. making, you know, cause I, I used to find myself isolating and getting into my head and that's when things would get a little crazy for me. And I say music because music was my meditation and still is, um, to this day. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's like, I have, I have a lot of spiritual practices. Music is one of them. Yeah. I've seen you rub some elbows with some pretty pretty interesting people yeah. that are they're pretty well known musically it's yeah well, they are recovery neat. peeps too yeah it's pretty neat to see all of these people starting to come out like mm -hmm. uh mac lamore who lost a friend to an overdose so yeah. you know El uh elton. what is his name brand yeah. um yeah, yeah elton brand. john russell yeah. brand i mean yeah. there's so many people out there uh they're very vocal about their recovery and now we need it to play down i think to the everyday people you yeah. know yeah and it's happening it's happening it is yeah. it's I'm amazed at where it is today. So, so what's the most important thing that you've done for your recovery? In terms of what it, most important thing I've done for my recovery, you know, done in my recovery or like, yeah. Um, like if I think about the most important thing that I've done for my recovery, I would say engaging in pro-social activities and then making them available to more and more people. For me, that is like so. The most, most important thing that I've done for my recovery is uh, I've been able to to be a better son for my mom. My mom, my mom's like, you know, uh, we we had she's had a really rough time the last couple of years, and I I think at the end of my use, you know, she's she just turned seventy or she's turning seventy two years old in November. Um, she was really, really close to like dying. I think at the end of my use, just as a result of dealing with all the right. craziness and, um, those 10 years of using were, were, took a toll on her, but, um, you know, she's dealt with a stage four tumor, you know, since, since, since in the last year and just so much has been going on, but just being able to be there for her. Uh, and being able to like get on the phone and talk to her every other day and, 
just be present um, has probably been the most important thing that I've done uh, for my recovery. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I do, right. but like really where it matters is, you know, family and my mom and, you know, I just got engaged and, and that, Congratulations. that that's yeah, awesome. thank you. But that's the stuff that's like really important for me because I also realized that like, while I'm out there doing all this advocacy, and I wrote this book and TV and all this other stuff, like, all that could be gone tomorrow. Right. You know, and it, and it will like, you know, those things don't last, you know, I but mean, I think you're building a legacy. Don't downplay at all. The fact that I think you are going to help build, you know, you stand on the shoulders of people, the work people, other people have done. And someday there's going to be tons of people in this country that are standing on, on your shoulders because of the foundation and groundwork that you've done. I hope so. But I think that, you know, even with all that being said, like as someone who's in recovery and understands like where I have been, what I have gone through and, 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 you know, how quickly things can change right. just in life you know, the most important thing for me is to be grounded where, you know, while I, I want to continue doing all that work and I will continue doing all that and hopefully it continues to grow and gets bigger and we're helping more people and building more leaders. Um, I have to keep that family piece most important to me because that's, I mean, that's it, man. That's what like, you know, the end the of the day, when I, one day when I, yeah, the people that, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's where my heart is. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's awesome to have those people in your life. I can't imagine, yep. you know, I bet your mom's super, super proud. She is. I'm going to see her next becoming. weekend. I'm really excited you know. about it. <laughs> so is there one thing you do every day that helps you maintain your recovery? Um, yes, I still go to a lot of meetings. Um, I talk to two or three recovery people every single day. Um, I know that, I, 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 I do not isolate. I'm, I, I'm like a serial non isolator because even with everything in my community and meetings and networks, like if I'm, you know, isolating and I'm home by myself all day long and just working, like I'll get into to bad headspace, but I have a, I have almost a religious practice. Um, I wake up in the morning, I listen to about an hour of music come outside. It's always outside. Um, that gets my day going. I end my day like that, usually right after a meeting. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I also have a, 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 a five-year-old, um, pit who's the sweetest dog in the world. That is also a huge part of my I recovery. I see some really cute too. pictures. Yeah, dollar, dollar's a big part of my recovery. Right. I mean, you know, my dog is, I, I, you know, being able to learn how to care for him early on, um, was a big indicator of like what direction I was going to go right. in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is it that keeps you from going back to those old behaviors? You know, I think we, we hear a lot about recovery capital, um, recovery capital. You know, I, I think that I've, I finally got to a point, you know, after year one, I was still like, Oh man, I still want to get high some days. Right. After year two, I was like, ah, Gosh, there's those days where I could really, you know, just zone out and I don't want to do heroin, but maybe a drink, you know, and then after year three, I was like, wow, you know, there's more to life than just like right. partying or, or zoning out and numbing the pain. And then at year four, it was just like, oh my gosh, like I, I like they, they're, they're like, life is better. 
Like, I think in the beginning there was that pink cloud of like, I'm sober, you know what I mean? And like, everything looks pink. But then after, after some time and like process and, and rebuilding relationships and finding your purpose and your place in this world and your passion and, um, working hard for something you believe in, you know, and putting in work, not just, not just in advocacy, but in your own recovery. And you realize that life actually, it's not a concept anymore. Like it was always a concept for me because I tried to get sober many times and failed. Right. It's always a concept that, you know, keep coming back, you know, the, you know, don't leave before the, the miracle, the miracle happens. happens, like all that stuff. And you're like, yeah. you know, you repeat it sounds nice, but it was like a concept to me. It's really true. <laughs> I mean, and that's like, and like, as you build that recovery capital, like, like I have, and I can't, like, hopefully, you know, I just keep adding to that toolbox. Um, it, it, it outweighs, it outweighs the using, it outweighs the way I used to live, you know? And sometimes I haven't had like, you know, I've probably had a couple of thoughts on like, huh, I wonder what heroin feels like these days. Like not right. like obsession, but I mean, in the last couple of years, it's hit me, um, not of like wanting to use, but I've thought of like, mostly it's like, I can't believe I haven't my, my, my disease comes in, in the form of this now. It's like, I can't believe I haven't thought about getting high in this long. And right. then at that moment, I'm now thinking, there's a seat. now there's a seat, <laughs> right? But that's, that's, you know, but I can recognize that. Um, but recovery capital, I would, I would say, you know, at the end of the day, recovery capital, I mean, the fact that I am paying my taxes, the fact that I'm a registered voter, the fact uh, that I wrote a book, the fact that I'm about to get married, that I have my family back, you know, that I'm uh, sustainable in terms of and employable um, and do what I do and, and, and helping others, you know, in, in my, in my own personal recovery community, like that stuff is nothing short of a miracle, right? It is a miracle. You know, and I see it happen with other people too. Um, yeah, I mean, what? Have, I mean, you've got longer than me, so I mean, what? What do you? I want to know this tenth question. I I, I want to have a have a. Uh, I want to kick that back to you because I'd like to hear what you okay think of that. Um, it it dumbfounds people sometimes when I look at them and say, you know what, I will never use again. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's no way you can know that. And I'm like, I know that as sure as I know that I wouldn't go out and strangle my kid. Right. You know, um, for every reason you've mentioned, I look at all of the things that I have in my life now and the knowledge that if I were to go back out and use, I can, I would lose everything. Right. You know, I, I would lose my job, visits with my kids. I would lose my wife. I would lose uh, Anything and everything that's important because yeah. I, I mean, I, I can relate to that spiritual goal. My biggest spiritual goal when I first got sober was for my word to mean something again to the people I cared about, like my baby sister and yeah. people like that, that had always been there, yeah. you know? So for me, that was huge. And knowing that it could all be wiped out instantly yeah. makes me cherish every single thing that I have. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I could have a car accident, come out of a coma on a morphine drip. Like I got started on. You know, something like that could happen. But outside of that, I would never willingly do something that would in jeopardize every single thing that I've built up. You uh-huh. know, love the life I have now. We got two more questions. They talk about the gifts of recovery. What has changed in your life since you stopped using? Everything. <laughs> Great answer. He's Great like, answer. done. Yeah. Bam. Everything. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the answer. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I'm a completely different person. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Best answer. And we can move on to 10. If you can travel back in time and talk to yourself the day before you used, what would you say to yourself? Ask for help. I was so afraid to ask for help. Just because of what other people might think or. Yeah. I was afraid of what everybody else would think. And what I didn't realize was they all wanted me to ask to call that question, but nobody had the guts to, it was like a game of chicken. Right. You know, um, I would have asked for help a lot sooner. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ryan, I appreciate your time. I know you are, you've got stuff to do, man. Yeah. You know, I, do. I mean, that's amazing I life that this. you've built because Thanks everything in your on. life has changed. Yeah. And I want to thank you for, I think listeners are really going to like this because this is a, a little piece of Ryan Hampton that I haven't heard before. Oh, cool. You know, I haven't heard you sit down and answer some of those questions and talk about some of those things because generally what I hear you talking about is what needs to change in the system, yeah. not what you change in your life so that, that you can be a change agent today. That was fun. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Thank you, my man. Yep. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. There's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at Mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture.